0: What's happening? Welcome to Season 3 of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be Black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Apples and Snakes podcast. My name is Yomi Shode, I am your host and it's a pleasure to be joined by the one and only, the big bro. Listen, I, I, I every time, if, the, if I'm going through a stressful period or if I, if I recall like, feeling as though something big is happening, at some point, this gentleman right here just drops me a line and I'm like, you know what? The universe is good. <laughs> and I'm thankful. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, it's a pleasure to be speaking with the one and only Roy McFarlane today. How are
1: you doing, sir? Are you good? I'm good, Yoms. I'm really good. I am blessed. And um, it's a beautiful day. And I'm talking to yourself and Apples and Snake. And, and should there be
0: a song? If there was a song... to to describe the kind of mood you're currently in? Or not even that, if there was a song to kind of describe your creative process at this moment in time, what song would that
1: be? And why? Oh, 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 oh. I guess i got to go for the first thing that comes into my head. First thing, and it is Nina Simone, um, I'm feeling good, even though I I can't remember the whole lyrics, but it's it's the it's the tune. It's that it's that lovely. It just feels like doesn't matter what comes at me, doesn't matter what's around in this world or what's going on. I am feeling good, and and it goes along with my writing. Is there um,
0: just sticking with that? Not the kind of pressing. I know there's so much to talk on, but since we're here, do you? recall when you first heard this song were you aware of the were you aware of the artist before the song or were you aware of the song first that's
1: a good question
0: i don't know if that makes any sense because sometimes you yeah. you enter you enter a piece of art in in different ways do you know what mm-hmm. i mean like some so how did you come across was it the artist first or was it the song first
1: it it would probably be the song first uh, I, right. I think in the in the last decade or so or two decades is that i've been really digging deep into the world of jazz and the, the stories behind these incredible creatives um but if i if i if I, if, if, if i first met upon this song in some shape or form, whether it was an advertisement or something in a in a movie, it would have been in the 80s. And in the 80s, I don't think I would have been digging deep to find out who this person was and, and the story behind that person. Mm, mm,
0: mm. And I think it, a lot of that leads into just your creative process and just the way you think and then even further, because I into the poetry and for those who are not aware it would be good to know about your own journey even though i do have a lot to kind of explore it would be really good to briefly to to talk on your journey to this point in relation to your writing um
1: what what should we know about you oh i think in many conversations that I've had over the last 20 years, there's always a conversation about um, being brought up in a Pentecostal uh, church, uh, Mm -hmm. being the son of a minister, uh, and being taught um, the words, or being taught by my mother through the Bible. So it's that literary beauty of the King James version of the Bible. Um, the Psalms that I was taught to recite now and then. Um, so I, in, even though I'm not thinking about writing, even though I'm not aware of writing, I think that there's a bedding in, in that journey. I, mm. I think when I was about 12, probably one of my first preaching, I was, I was up there on the rostrum at the age of 11 or 12 preaching the word of God. Mm. Um, and so the way that I performed and 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 read and take the stage it's coming all the way from 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 that all all the preachers that i have seen around the west midlands around the uk some of the great names that we know within our church um, environment and even further abroad when i look at malcolm x or martin luther king or james baldwin uh, especially in the 90s i was really kind of looking at my my the way I deliver, the way my presence is—the the essence of who I was, kind of thing. And mm. I think it was in the nineties then I started to spread. Uh, I I questioned the institution, um, but I felt I had something about injustice and and and, and talking up against injustice, and so and working with young men, especially in the the late eighties and the early nineties, I started to work with. I was a youth and community worker. Mm, and, mm. and so, um, I worked with young men that were being excluded, that were on the, the edges of joining gangs, et cetera. And, um, it was a period of Biggie and, and, and Tupac and everybody loved their words kind of thing. But I wanted to take it further. I wanted to take it from, from America, but I wanted to take it to the setting of Smedic and, 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 and Birmingham and Wolverhampton. Write me your stories. Yeah, write it in your voice, and that's when I started to use words and bounce up with these young people.
0: And then, for the most part, th- th- was that inspiring for you in terms of how you started to write the poetry? Um, because it sounds very much like you know, from this from this religion kind religious kind of background into the community work, and in terms of you just working with set groups of young people it, it, it a, a lot of it still feels very giving um in terms of how you are kind of giving yourself to other people to a certain degree so when did you when did you start to prioritize you in relation to your own writing
1: I I, I think there's always been a journey of I'm, I'm, I'm great in helping others. I'm great in, in, in a collective and bouncing off each other and then walking away and going home and doing my own little thing. Um, I think in the noughties, and especially when I started to meet um, creators around Birmingham, and I'm thinking of Martin Glynn, who's now a professor in, in Birmingham. I'm thinking of Roy R.O.I. Quabina. Who was the Birmingham poet laureate? He came from Trinidad. Um, these guys were walking, were activists, and yet using these incredible words. And sometimes in that period of time, as black writers, there weren't there weren't much publishers that was taking on the writers like Martin Glynn. And I'm telling you, Martin Glynn. I think there should be a whole series about talking about the work that Martin Glynn has put out over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Really? Um, and so we would utilize the stage. We would utilize conferences. We would work with young people and, and injustice and, 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 and be on the front line, um, in, in our activism. And, and in that we would have opportunities to do and to speak a word. And I think it's during that period of time as I've as I followed these men that I started to write things. I started to share with them. And mm. then they gave me opportunities to perform on the stage.
0: Um, do you mind briefly talking about the community at that point in time? What what the elect- I just I'm very interested to know about how electric that period was in in having a collective of People, your peer groups, and you're sharing poems and you're do you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm. I, I hear the stories that the I hear the early stories of Malaika's poetry kitchen when they were first meeting. Mm. Um, and the people that were in the space, you know, um, the Rogers, the the Jacob Salmon and Rose, and Malaika Bookers, the Nick McCohers Peter Cahn's. And I and I hear these names in the space, you know, B. Manzini, and I'm like, that must have been. What on a weekly basis you're meeting in the kitchen just to share some poems and with that that for the most part that that landscape and what is set for for people like myself in terms of kind of thinking of that that must have been, that's incredible. I would have loved to be a fly in the wall to kind of see what that must have been like. Do you mind briefly talking about that time in terms of what it was like to be sharing poems and just being in that kind of space? Did you go to any? Open White Nights, was it in like a local spot, like a library or something that like you met up to share poems? What was that like? Uh,
1: well, it was the, I would say the place, I mean, you've got Malachi Kitchen, very London-based, etc., etc., Um But in Birmingham, um, if there was something that was the beating art of creativity, and especially when I joined on, um, it would be the drum. And this, um, community-based theatre, um, place for creatives in the early noughties, late in the nineties. But I, I, started in the 90s, and it's, it was, it would be within that setting because, um, the likes of Ava Ming, who, who was this incredible force for writing. Um, she was on the BBC radio. She would give opportunities to people to come on and express what they were doing. That's that's my first exposure, um, working with the young men in, in 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 Smedic. And then Ava Ming found out about my project and invited me to talk about working with these young men and young women on there. And that's when I started to get this taste. And Ava Ming says, you need to go to the drum or you need to go to this place kind of thing. Mm. And um, And... And it's there I would have met. Um, it was quite interesting. I wouldn't say there was a kitchen or there was a, a, a place where a dozen people... No, ah, Writers Without Borders was another organization that Roy could be in a setup. I'm sorry if I'm going all over the place. But there were That's different cool. little things that were happening. So you had Writers Without Borders. It was a collective of, of people that you would say are predominantly people of color, but equally uh had people from east europe um it had people from india it had people from um, um uh, the americas kind of thing and 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 we had a space in the library um the old library back then where we would meet up and we would look at each other's writing and bounce off each other mm. the drum was i would say was the space that when you had a name or when you were doing things and people say Listen to what Roy's doing. And then you start to gain some little um, recognition. The drum was this beautiful place that they say, listen, take this little room. If you've got an idea, run with it. Let's mm. see what we can do with it. Whether we get money from Arts Council or whether we just do something late night kind of thing. Let's go with it. Um, and again... That time with Martin Glynn and a couple of other incredible writers, I was able to walk around and follow them on sets, on shows. Martin Glynn did something at the Orange in the Birmingham City Center. Mm. And it was it was only about 20 people in this room, but they, they gave him this beautiful space. And just to see Martin Glynn do his work on a one-man set with jazz in the background and just letting loose and I'm thinking, wow, is yeah. that poetry? Is yeah. that how you do it? And all of that was that fed into what what I what I became. Yeah, that is that is and it's those stories
0: I think that those stories did need it's no, it needs to be treasured. Do you see what I mean? And I think those always are the kind of stories that need to be passed passed down to like Generations for them to be aware of to be like this was a it, it you feel like it's bubbling now it was been bubbling it's been bubbling it's oh, been oh, doing
1: what it's been doing.
0: I mean, um, and it continues in,
1: you, to. You got to bear in mind, I, I'm I'm almost a late comer kind of thing. Um, so I would say, if I got on the on the scene when I'm in 2000, I'm I'm in my 40s, right? And the likes of Martin Glynn, McCabe, um, um Je- oh, God. Oh, what's the name? Sue Brown. Sue Brown, McCarpy. Sue Brown is now, you'll see some of her programs on BBC. McCarpy mm. is now in Africa, but I'm still doing amazing stuff. Um These incredible individuals tread the board in the 90s, if not the late 80s, and were doing amazing stuff. But yet, from a UK point of view, these names were... Limited, far and few between in recognizing their names, but in Birmingham, you would run to see McCarpy uh, 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 do a set yeah. on, say, Marcus Garvey, or or do something about Jamaica, or do something about his dad. Man, you, you saw this profound, powerful Rasta stand up there and do his thing, and then when he went into that emotional space and talked about my dad. My dad is dad, dad. My dad, my dad, my dad. It was just profound. And, and, and those are the voices I often worry. I, I've been fortunate, blessed, maybe hard work, sometimes mm. maybe luck. Uh, maybe I'm really, really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've been fortunate to find spaces. Apples and snakes have been there for me. Um, I have a publisher that that took me on. I've been fortunate that I was a Birmingham Poet Laureate, so the libraries gave me space. So all these moments, and again, I recognize that I would have to be working hard and I must be doing something good that these spaces open up and giving me the opportunity to do what I do. But sometimes I think, of, again, when I look at the likes of McCarthy, McCarthy should have a book out there that we Mm. should be recognising what was going on in Birmingham in the 80s and 90s. There should be a celebration of Martin Glynn. Ava Ming is now in China. Ava Ming took over the theatre at the Birmingham Rep and wrote some of the most amazing plays. Uh, But now she's in Jamaica. Uh, Sorry, not Jamaica, she's in China, teaching in China. This is a, eh, a volume and a wealth of artistry that was going on. And and that's the tip of the iceberg that was going on in Birmingham.
0: And I guess, you know, like, thank you for sharing that. And I think this is why this is, this is part of the reason why this podcast exists because it's, it's speaking with people like yourselves to, 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 where we can't necessarily know this information It's it's, it's archive, you know, it's, it's documenting this information. So, um, we can do that research. I can do that research folks. From Birmingham can do that research and find out about these poets who at one point, this is what the work that was happening. I want to talk a bit about being a published author. Um, <laughs> having gone through the process of my debut, which was a bit like, a it was a bit overwhelming. Um, and I'm still making sense of it here and there. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm doing these things, however experimental, or however daring. Um, this is not your first rodeo in relation to publishing like your pub, a published piece of work what does it feel like to you know you finish this first book and now you're working on this next book what what how what is that process like to kind of have multiple books that I don't know, know how else to voice that i don't know how to i don't know how to i don't know how, to, don't know how you know is that feeling of oh here we go again you know and like is the drive just as
1: big, as ambitious, as huge as the last one? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, um, it's a, it's an interesting mentality, know I'm not, not saying I'm I'm not saying this is the mentality that all poets have, but if I take you on my journey, um, so the first collection was. Um, beginning with your last breath that was written in the space of when my mother was passing away and it was almost a necessity not to capture something about her but also to capture the pain that i was going through Mm. and 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 with starting that process i then started to uh, write about what was going on living in in the, the areas around birmingham being black injustice my love for jazz and a bit of the Gospels, um, and that was just like, "Oh, I've written this, somebody likes it, and it's out there." Mm-hmm. And um, how would I know what you, the, the, you know the response to that would be? But it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So the second collection, um, I remember, I don't know why, but I told myself, "You need to go on an MA course." And I went on with the poetry school in in, in London, and it was um, one day a week. You come down to London, and you study poetry from from you know from the Romantics to the present day. Intriguing, um, not much representation back then of of say poets like myself. But mm-hmm. I have to give thanks to people like Tammy, who recognised my journey. And, and, and sought to find writers would talk to me, would tell me to go and search. And, and I think I was lucky that Tammy was an, uh, is an American living in the UK now. So she was aware of the Gwendolyn Brooks, um, uh, you know, the Langston News and, and other writers. And she started to open up more writers to, to, to uh, before me. And so that, that, Molding and that support and that pushing generated the second book um, about injustice and sonnets because I wouldn't write sonnets and if it wasn't for for this MA uh, and the idea that you know it's just a scaffolding for you to write whatever you want to write you can break the, learn the rules and then break the rules go for it bro. go for it and so um, the second book came out and it blew my mind that it became. Um, shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot mm. and long listed long listed for the Jalep Prize. Poor it load me. Wow, really? Mm. Um, and, and to this day, it still has. A, you know, wow. and It's quite interesting now because of the success of that book. Yeah, it almost feels like this third book. It was like, oh, you really got to push the leaf. You got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to go to another place. And, um, I often call the third collection my Miles Davis, um, witches brew kind of thing. Um, um, from coming from kind of blue to going somewhere with a, which was a, an eclectic. And I think I know what my vision was. It, it mm. really covers over 200 years and, and et cetera, et cetera. Do I think people fully understand that this last collection? I'm not sure, but, 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 but. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and and I'm in a good place with it, and um, and I'm still looking forward to other stuff in in the future. And I, and and
0: uh, we'll touch on this a bit more, I suppose, with this last one. It's something that you, while you say, do people get? I still feel like you've done it on your terms. I feel mm-hmm. like you you've done it, and in you wrote this on your terms, and you're not necessarily trying to chase everything that your last collection achieved to a certain degree and that is a risk within itself especially if you in this field where you know the voice and and, and speaking to in your true voice is something that to some degree could be uncomfortable for people to kind of like understand or acknowledge you know mm. um off the back of you just speaking about your collections actually I'm really interested in knowing if there if there, if you know a significant point in your journey that stays with you, that you're just like, you look back on it and you say, you know what? I'm proud of that moment right there. I'm super proud of that moment right there. I don't know if you have one in the pocket that you just like, that you return to from time to time.
1: There's so many there's so many. But um, you got <laughs> <laughs> uh, to pick one. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. Again, I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, and 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 you know what? To know that I wrote something that somebody in America or somebody who was studying with my son, fully enough, at uh, Greenwich University or something like that. Mm. Um, and she was an arts director back in Philadelphia. And she loved my stuff so much that an event that they were doing a whole wheel, a whole week of arts in Philadelphia. The, 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 the organization paid for me, put me up in Philadelphia and i was poet in residence for philadelphia and it was mm. it was the most amazing two weeks out there amazing and our and again i guess it's the idea of being a poet and this is the kind of doors this is the place you can go and and, and people are listening to you roy McFarlane, telling them in america not, not telling terms the wrong word but going on a journey with poetry and sharing and creating and making something great and performing in Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm. That that sticks in my head. We have um
0: we have I've had the great pleasure of sitting and having breakfast and we're just jesting And it's a beautiful <laughs> moment where we've actually just sat, and we're just like reflecting on like the gig the night before, and then we're just talking about life now and the next steps and blah, 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 over breakfast and and you know, I told you, I'm holding you to one account in terms of like a specific, specific artist that I'm really keen on you working with. Um, and I'm hoping <laughs> that happens. I'm gonna name the name. I'm just hoping it happens. But in key, in staying in that, in staying in that, I think there's not a point that I've watched you perform that that I'm, that I'm actually so enamored and I kinda and I and I tune into your performance. Even as we're talking, as you're, as you're reeling through your thoughts, you close your eyes as you're talking, like you're proper feeling everything you're saying because you're so passionate about it. And it's no different from when you're on the stage where you, I've seen you get on your knee, like you get on the one knee to kind of just to, to stress just to how deep it is you're in in relation to these words that you're sharing. I want to talk about performance and I want to I just want to just explore performance for a bit and why why performance is so is this key thing for you right um, and and this might even link into a bit of spiritual things because there's certain I think there's certain there's, there's 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 a certain form of reading poems and performing poems from a specific from a black space that just is, it's, it, it's just, it, it just is. And it connects with the the people within the space and the community within the space. And I don't know if this is it for me. I'm not going to try to speak for X, Y, whatever. I wonder if you, if it's the same thing with you. Like I always wonder the same thing with you. Is it something that crosses your mind? Let's talk on performance for
1: a bit. Yeah. Where yeah. are you at yeah. with oh. performance? <laughs> I totally agree with you, one hundred percent. I think it's, and I'm sure every community, whether it be an Indian Indian community, whether it be I don't know a Croatian community, so, somewhere along the line they'll they'll tell you about it. it's in the DNA to to of performance. It's a it's a part of our of, of our spirituality. But let me hold it. Uh, 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 the space of the African Caribbean or the African diaspora, not even the African Caribbean, the African diaspora, because there's something that we we often click if my if my man's coming from is you know two generations removed from Nigeria or two generations removed from Brazil, we're still doing the same kind of thing in the way our energy. Our spirit, our delivery. You know, I, I equally believe that some of us tap into that kind of, um, you know, I'm tapping into the, um, the church traditions. Mm-hmm. So, so again, if I'm looking at Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, everything they do on the stage is a performance. Everything they do is a, is often a call and response. And I think not necessarily unique to us, but it's, it's, it's a core element. When you look at someone like John Agard, I certainly learned my call and response from somebody like McCarthy. McCarthy's mm-hmm. out there with his call and response. And this is, when I go back to the, the days in the church, the best preachers were the ones that, that Drew the, the, the audience in and they, and the, as it were, the audience participated. But then the real kind of performance, the real reading is that emotion. And I think if you write, write something that's emotional, if you write something that's against injustice, if you write something that's love, your voice has got to change. Your voice has mm-hmm. got to come slow when it's love and you got to show that love and you, you get down there date and you do your very white thing. Right. But if it's, if it's in, in, you know where I'm coming from. Right? But if it's injustice, right, I will, I will cry. I will show, I will, I will gesticulate. Um, if I'm giving honor to the ancestors, and I think that's the one you're referring to when I go on my knees, then I'm going on my knees and and, and, and giving um mm. it's almost like my ancestors are right there and i'm i'm reading to my ancestors or or my ancestors are by my side while i read this to the audience mm. so yeah every poem is a live living breathing um um, mm. um entity and so we should read or perform that poem because it's live it yeah. breathes it lives uh, in, and when you open up that page and you start to read it it becomes alive right it becomes alive it's already alive it's alive it's forever alive we're blessed that when we read and put our stories and when we pass away those stories continue to live when we're in the, in the in 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 the in the ground
0: um well no pressure because i know that you're going to be reading a poem at some point later people can't see you they're definitely going to hear you so we'll see you. <laughs> that, that's out. A um, joke, a joke. Um, so, going back, going back a bit. When you started out, do you recall any piece of advice that you were given when you started out that that would have that really changed things for you? Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And and. <laughs> Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with that first.
1: I mean, I mean, I think the first simple thing, you know, the first simple thing, and you've, you might think this is so simple. And again, i go back to Martin Glenn and my memories, oh, I wish I could remember the other two guys that were with him. But I would for about three to six months, I was following these individuals around. And sometimes I'd bring my writing, they'd look at it, blah, blah, blah. And during that process, they would ask me, so you're a poet or are you a poet? And I would say, I'm getting there. Or I'm mm. nearly there. Or I'm not, I'm not as good as you guys. And so it was almost, okay. They, they just continue. And it was almost, and sometimes they would look at each other. You kind of, you kind of saw, but you didn't take it on board. And I'll I, I tell you, no, like, you, you, me. literally six months, constantly asking me that question until the one day I said, yes, I am mm. a poet. And mm. these three guys looked at each other and says, Okay, now we're talking. Now you're, you're here because you said you're a poet. You need to believe you're a poet. You need to stand as a poet and you need to deliver as a poet. Would
0: Sticking with that, um, if you could have received some form of advice, what do you think you would have wanted to hear?
1: What during that period of time, or you just talking yeah, about like as a young you get, young poet? Just,
0: yeah, as as but even before the po- even before the poetry, if and he was considering, he was writing. If there if there could have been a piece of advice, what do you think you would have wanted to have heard at that
1: time? Yeah, again, I go with the first thing that's coming into my mind is that oh. <laughs> you know just 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 write your truth write don't don't be we all need examples we all need somebody to look up to or or follow or writers and i i always say read please new new young writers please 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 read Read as much and read, read, read. Don't worry about this idea about my voice is going to be lost and I'm going to be influenced and, and all that kind of thing. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say in all of that journey, trust your voice and write your story because it's there and it's unique. And sometimes we think somebody else has written that story So how can I write that story? Or that person wrote that story better than me. Wow, Mm. I can't write that. No. Every one of us has a beautiful, unique, powerful story. No matter how many times that theme has been spoken, that title has been said, write it. Do not be afraid to write it and write it your way.
0: Well, you know, some, some are like genuinely afraid just to tap into that truth. Tap into the raw tap. Because a, a lot of the times, you know, like, folks just think poetry is so serious that they can't even come up for air, just like a breather. Like, yes. oh my God, it's getting me to write. I hope I don't want to break myself down anymore that I'm trying already. I'm like, take it easy, just take it easy. But then, if we were to stick with the truth, even to get into a space of the truth is, is. It's tough. Like it's one thing to just be like, "Oh, just write it." And, and well, oh my gosh, we're winding up in a bit. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested. If you're since we're talking truth, what did it take for you to tap into your own truth?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, because do you know the I, thing is, it's one thing to actually say it to someone. It's another thing to actually you know, provide an example of this was what's happening to my truth felt like this was my process. Mm. So we'll get to kind of at least know what that journey for you is like in order for maybe someone else might be going through a similar mm. thing to know yeah. at least how to kind of process that, you know?
1: I think I, 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 I think my turning point with the truth and, and, and again, it's not a sort of like an em, empirical truth. Mm. It's not like, Two and two makes four, and, 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 and a, a science of a truth. But there's a truth that you dig deep, you become vulnerable, it's raw, it can be painful, it could be insatiably happy, but you, you write it. I want to hear the giddy, crazy happy, as well as the painful roar. Ness of, of, of grief. And I guess beginning with your last breath, somebody once told me, and I don't know the ins and outs, but he told me about the, uh, the, 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 the concept of duende. And it's almost like writing the darkness, the, um, the, 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 the blackness. I'm sure they use that reference about the blackness. It's a, a sort of a, a Latin or, or Spanish concept back in the 1930s but you write that raw darkness and let it loose on the page and only then are you become released uh, and you just see where that goes from there and sometimes we write things that may never come to fruition in a book Or, or you know I'm sure you know you've got files and you've got drawers full of writing. And again, that's the reason why I think we just just write. Just write it. Write that thing where you are vulnerable and let it loose and let it flow and let it let it come on that blank page. Because oftentimes a blank page is a scary thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think even, I agree in such that even after you do that, I would, for what I personally do now is put some form of aftercare in there. So I might, I mm. might just treat myself to do. So I might just either go to the gym or something, or I might just listen to some music, or might go for a walk for a breath of fresh air, or might just like go to the, sit, I don't know, something. Because what I used to do was write it all out, and then I'm like, I, with no packaged aftercare, I'm like, I'm stuck. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So. I'm, I'm left in that mood for the longest time. And I guess what I'm doing now is trying to, I'm trying, even in discussion, sometimes we can get into a deep talk. Sometimes we don't know, we're going to, we, we just check in on our friends or check in with our peers, like how's life? And then it break into something after we, <laughs> after we just about, oh yeah, man, late for the bus or something like this. And then right. it gets into some serious talk and, we forget that even that requires some form of aftercare in terms of how you package it to get back to aligned body and the mind and stuff again. Um, so, right, so I don't know if you can talk on the exclusives, but is there anything that you're working on at the moment?
1: <laughs> you're digging for that thing, aren't you? You're, you're digging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, nah, still, still working on things. There, there's a, uh, and I'm sure Randolph, Matthew w- won't be, uh, dis- won't be... Upset if I if I share this. Uh, myself and a, uh, a musician and downright just incredible genius when it comes to a one man band and in, in all sh- shapes and forms. We're looking at doing a collaboration and we're working on it. Um, mm. We might be doing something real soon. Um, I'm also looking at something personally. I've given myself a task for 45 minutes every morning, for six days to write. Um, and I'm and, and, and looking for that to become something in the space. It's a hundred day. Um, I'm saying we can write something in hundred days mm-hmm. with 45 mm-hmm. minutes a day. Is- uh, and hopefully that's gonna become something very soon.
0: Um, is there anything that you are reading at this moment in time or listening to at this moment in time?
1: Um, I'm looking at my shelf as I'm saying, "What? What's on my shelf? What's the last thing that was on my shelf?" Uh,
0: because you, what, you like you, you like you read. You don't waste <laughs> no
1: time with this.
0: Like you, you read, and I love that about you. Within the community, um, you read a lot of books by contemporaries, emergent poets, established poets. Mm. Um, like you don't play no games, but is there anything recent or even outside of the genre that 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 you read or that you listen to?
1: Well, you know what I i am walking around with this in my bag as we speak. It's called Poets on Poetry. I found it in a second-hand shop, and it goes all the way back to people like Samuel Johnson, Percy Bysshe all these individuals. Um, as it were, an argument or or a reason for poetry, why we need poetry, why we should have poetry. Yeah. And this is over the last, three, what, 400 years, if you're going back to, back all the way back there. And it's just beautiful. Some of the English is a little bit, you, you've got to work your way through it. Yeah. But it's just incredible to just look at people who uh, argue the case for poetry and the beauty of poetry. And I've been—I really have been enjoying that. Another side thing: you think of a thing? the making of the King James Bible, the King James Version Bible. Damn! Damn. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the institutionalized <laughs> situation—the this, the that—Catholic, <laughs> Protestant, Calvinist, Lutherist and ah, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got carried away. Do you know but it, you, you but said, you know the reason why I talk about that? But it's just intri- this is a combination of 66 books that has been making a journey over 2,000 years at least. And yet you, we call it we call it divine and, and we don't question it. It's just intriguing. Intriguing did, the, the making thing of is, it.
0: You um you said earlier, you said earlier that. Something about learning the rules to break the rules, right? And I suppose because you're so well-informed in relation to just listen to the books that you just said that you're reading. Just look at what you're looking to redo. Me trying to go, what am I trying to do with Kings Who and what? they pick up. You got time. I ain't trying to do that not anytime soon, but you want to do it. And I'm like, I rate it because because. There's something in it that you're going into for research and part of geeky as well, because this is genuine interest, but also it, it should there be something in there that you're looking to break the norms of to kind of bring it to 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 raise the awareness of it to to, to myself or even younger generations of, of writers to show the possibilities. And I, I guess this is this it? Is this is, is this part of the aim or what you would like to the idea of what you feel not only you should do, but poets generally should should aspire to aim to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, it's important. I, I I think that of course we have our tribe, as it were, that we are similar to, that we bounce off, that we that nourishes us. That that's the kind of writing we we we, we write. So we 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 have our tribe, but. Um, it's so important to step outside of that, to attain knowledge, to see how other peoples have gone on, on their journeys and to look at it a different way. Cause man, when you see something from a, another perspective about, I don't know, um, herons I've uh, I joined a, a community of herons on Twitter and mm. it's, it's mad. You know what I mean? But, mm. but it's quite interesting what they write about. It's quite interesting to see nature. Through the eyes of a heron. Um, I, I think all these gifts are important to the writer so that he, he, he develops, he grows, and he becomes this incredible writer. Yeah? Talking um, about Yomi, the man who, who, who wrote about. What What were you going to say? Cadagio? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's the kind of thing I did research for first that so I can pronounce it. That is so mean. funny. That is uh,
0: hilarious. Um, but well, you, know, you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. and I think in that in 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 light of that gift, um, may I ask if whether it's possible if you can gift us with a poem, please?
1: Well, since I've been talking about a heron, I'm gonna go with this heron, and and I and I'm sure you 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 know this one really well. Um, and this was written in the idea of when I first when I couldn't after George Floyd murder I couldn't write, couldn't do anything and I was walking along the canal and I saw a heron, never seen one before saw a heron and something just started and and started me thinking and started to have a conversation so the book starts off with a heron, the book called um, Living by Troubled Waters and it ends with a heron in acknowledgement of those who have gone before us um, through deaths in custody and, and et etc. et cetera. So this one's called, To the Heron Who Stood With Me in the Ruins of Another Black Man's Life. After Gwendolyn Brooks and Gil Scott Heron. To the heron long and lean, standing still on the corners, where the waters bend. To the heron gracefully grey, poised at the water's edge. To the heron painted in the tapestry of reeds, waiting, waiting. I want to learn the art of waiting in these dreadful times. Thick engulfing, choking times to the heron long-limbed taking one two step stretching those wings like michael jordan to rise in brilliance to all herons from the lineage of benu he who came into being by himself to all the herons left school Real cool. To the heron lurking late in summertime. To the heron with the slow wing beats of a double bass on a jazz June evening. To the heron, motionless, still standing still. To Gil Scott Heron, whilst I'm here standing in the ruins of another black man's life. I am death, cried the vulture for the people of the light. Yet here we stand on the muddy banks of life, longing, begging, pleading, needing change to all those gliding towards the sunset. Beautiful is your name.
0: Thank you so much, Roy. And uh, um, after, actually, I have to shout out um, Nine Arches Press. After have to hold, yeah, old hold tight Jane Kamein. She champions you so much and the work you do so, 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 so much. Thank you for that reading. And thank you for just spending this time to just kind of explore, just talk on and explore you and everything about you. And it's been quite the journey. And I hope it's the first of many conversations, man. Thank you so much.
1: It's been a pleasure, Yomi. And really, one more time, just to say thank you to you and the people behind the scenes for for just allowing me to be in this space, to be me, to talk. It's been a blessing. and thank you. (laughs) Thank
0: you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shoday and I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of Black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley, at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org and follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please,
1: Please
0: subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.